0: 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we are in verse number 5. We've already uh, taken quite a long look in this uh, picture album concerning the matter of love. And let me just go back and read verse number 4 to maintain a connection between these things. charity, which is love. Suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Well, last week we considered the fact that love is polite and that it prefers others rather than self. And tonight we uh, we see Paul expanding on these thoughts. Not only does love uh, look out for the welfare of others, it refuses to be provoked by the wrongdoing of others. Notice this is actually part eight of the picture of love and It tells us here that uh, it speaks of the fact that it is provokeless, It is not easily provoked. And so it refuses to uh, allow the wrongs of others to create in us a bad spirit toward them and prevents us from getting irritated, prevents us from getting angry. Now, that being said, that does not mean that Christians... uh, should never get angry i've heard preachers preach from Ephesians four and verse twenty six uh, where you know it says, "Be ye angry and sin not, and they say we shouldn't ever for any reason get angry about anything. The fact of the matter is that verse is teaching you the opposite of what they're saying because it is emphatic it says, "Be ye angry." We are, we are, you know, to, like we often say, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. And so it's not wrong to hate. Uh, it's the object, you know, of, of what we hate that uh, makes it right or makes it wrong. And that's the way it is with anger. When we think about anger, there are things that ought to anger us, but our anger should never cause us to sin, uh, the Lord to prove that whenever He cleansed the temple, of course, and uh, and this is what Paul I think is wanting us to understand here that that love isn't easily provoked. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's not that self centered anger. You know, it's one thing to get angry because sin is prevailing and destroying the lives of people, and you get angry about that. Well, good for you. But it's another thing for us to get angry because, you know, because something upset us. I, I think I've seen some parents spank their children, not because the children did anything wrong, but because the children got on their nerves. The children in some way was interfering with what they were doing. And so, you know, they, they chastised the, the child for a personal reason, which is, is always, always wrong. Uh, He's talking about that kind of anger that causes us to get mad at people because things don't go our way, and I I think everybody would agree that's a pretty common problem in the day that we live in. as you know, it doesn't take hardly anything to set some people off, anything to provoke them to anger. They walk around, you know, with a chip on their shoulder, just daring someone to knock it off. And, you know, the old timers would say they've got a burr under their saddle. There's just something, an irritant there all of the time. They're always finding uh, something to complain about something that angers them. And so while there might be room for that righteous indignation toward that which is evil, love should never provoke us to sin. Uh, in other words, we should never allow the wrong of others to cause us to do wrong. We shouldn't let their failure become our fault. And a lot of times people do that. Uh, somebody will fail them, somebody will hurt them, they, they, you know, will genuinely commit an offense against them, and uh, and as a result of that, they react to that in such a way that all of a sudden they they themselves have fallen out of fellowship with the Lord. It, it, you know, it's real easy for the devil to just blow something all out of proportion and and, uh, it's real easy, you know, to get mad at the preacher and say, well, I'll just, I just won't go back to church anymore. Well, look, I'm not the only person here. If you get mad at me, why? Well, as Taylor says, she puts it, suck it up, buttercup. That's, uh, that's kind of a little saying that she's uh, adopted evidently. And, uh, you know, there just comes a time where you've got to just suck it up and go on and, and, and keep going regardless. So just because you're mad at me, don't you get out of sorts with the, uh, with the Lord as a result of that. And so he says here that love, real love, true love, is not easily provoked. As we think about this, maybe, it, maybe it'll help if we stop and consider why it is that some people are so easily provoked. Why all of this anger? Now, I know the simple answer is, well, because it's a lack of love, and so there's the expression of anger. I understand that. But uh, people do what they do for a reason. And so whenever you see people out here rioting and burning down stores and uh, stealing stuff and all of that, and whenever you see churches split, whenever you see uh, uh, couples in divorce court, when you see all of those things and you wonder what all of the anger is about, it can be several things. Anger can be a way that people control people. Uh, it can be a way of insulting people. It can be a way of hurting people. In other words, they hurt you, so you're going to hurt them back. But a lot of times people will use anger as, as a tool or as a weapon. And, and the whole idea is I am going to force you to please me, or I'm going to get mad about it. And if you don't want me to get mad, then you better let me have my way. You better, you know, you better do what I want you to do you know or, or there's going to be a, a big argument and so they use that against people and and I'm not talking about just in marital relationships I'm talking about across the board and uh, you know wherever you go it can be in the in the office where you can work or in the factory where you work or whatever wherever you go there are people like that they will try to use anger to intimidate you to get their way and, and the the time that we live in today seems like everybody's mad about something uh, the very slightest defense is all that's needed to get some people mad it's like they're sitting on a powder keg and just you know the slightest little spark all of a sudden is going to create an explosion well i mean we we see people like that all the time we wonder what in the world happened to them? They just all of a sudden blew up. No, they they didn't just all of a sudden blow up. You know, they've been building up steam and building up steam. And, and you know, finally it was just, you know, reached that boiling point to where uh, all of a sudden things blew up. Uh, it's, It's really silly how we behave sometimes. Have you ever got mad because somebody got mad? You're mad because they got mad you know and and that's that's what that's when it turns into an argument then you've got an argument because you're mad because they got mad, and they said something that you didn't like, and you're mad about it, and so after a while, both of you are mad, and uh you know on a national level, that leads to what war. We'd be amazed at what some wars have actually been started over. It wasn't over silver or gold or who was going to control the oil in a certain place. It was, uh, you know, over some silly something that didn't amount to uh, to anything. I was watching an episode of Cops yesterday, and uh, the cop was simply, he'd come on a, a, as a domestic issue, and he was trying his best to restore order. And he couldn't get this guy to listen, and so he just took hold of the guy and was going to move him over. That guy just absolutely went ballistic and uh and anyway, later on, in the cop car, after they wrestled him to the ground and they got him in handcuffs, his whole argument was, "You disrespected me you disrespect I'm a man just like you are, and you disrespected me. You put hands on me." And, and, and here all of the time he was the guilty party because he wouldn't respond to the command of the higher authority. And so consequently, this argument ensues and, and it's something I thought to myself, you know, such a simple issue like that, they could have been settled with a, with a discussion and what have you. It ends up in violence and the guy in the police car going down the station for an assault on a police officer. Listen, wars have been started over arguments. Divorces have happened as a result of an argument. Somebody's mad because somebody's mad. Churches split as a result of that. Can you imagine uh, how horrible it is to see a church split and, uh, or to see a church is absolutely dissolved before your very eyes to watch a, a church disband and destroyed? All is a result of somebody not getting their way. And you see, that's a telltale sign that love is lacking because love's not easily provoked. I mean, it takes a lot, and it takes something that is wrong in order to provoke love. Henry Drummond years and years and years ago wrote a little book uh, called The Greatest Thing in the World it's a little small paperback book i don't imagine it's been in print for many years but uh, it was uh, it was it's a classic if you ever find one in a bookstore or something you'll want to pick it up and read it but he said the peculiarity of ill temper is that it is the vice of the virtuous now I want you to get that it is the vice of the virtuous. I, that's, kind, that's kind of another way of saying that this is what we Christians might consider as to be a respectable sin of some kind. It, 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 it is the vice, it is the wrong that sometimes we Christians are are guilty of, and yet at the same time we don't think it's all that big of a deal. So he calls it the vice of the virtuous, and he goes on and says it is often the worst. One blot on an otherwise noble character, you know men who are all but perfect and women who would be entirely perfect, but for an easily ruffled, quick, tempered, touchy disposition. Well, wow, let me tell you, times haven't changed that book, I'm sure was written well over a hundred years ago, and uh, and times haven't changed. That's just the way human nature is. And it's really amazing whenever you think about otherwise good people and how often they try to excuse their bad temper. Instead of eliminating it, you know, they, they've they got an excuse for it. Somebody might say, well, you know, you can just expect it because after all, I'm Irish just like you know that makes it okay i'm Irish you know I, I, I blame it on my heritage and somebody else says well well yeah sure i lose my temper once in a while you know who doesn't everybody everybody does but you know i i i just say what's on my mind i get it all out there and then it's all over in just a matter of minutes you know well you know, a shotgun blast doesn't take very long. but Boy, let me tell you something. It'll do a lot of damage in a short amount of time. And, 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 and let me tell you, if, if that doesn't bother you, something is wrong because it is exactly the opposite of Christ. Turn, turn your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 2 for a moment. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 21. Well, let's read verse number 20 also. For what glory is it? If when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently. In other words, if you've got it coming and, you know, you endure it and, and so forth, and, and you know, what, what real glory is in that? But if when ye do well, that is, you haven't done anything wrong, you didn't deserve it, you've done well, and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even here unto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, and when he was suffered, he he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges Righteously. So there is our example and, and he's telling us that we have been called to follow the example of Christ and where there's love in our heart, we're not going to be so easily provoked. We're not going to use it as a tool. We're not going to use it anger as a weapon against somebody else in order to get our way, but rather we will, we will have their best interest at heart. And, and and certainly have God's will in view. And and the sad thing is that so many times we don't see this as a serious problem. Jonathan Edwards, who, uh, who as surely you know, is uh, one of the main players in the Great Awakening that took place here in America. And uh, Jonathan Edwards was a brilliant man. And uh, by the way, in case you didn't know, maybe You've heard me talk about David Brainerd, who was a missionary to the American Indian uh, and uh, a great man who died at a very early age, and uh, he was to be his son-in-law. Well, Edwards had a daughter uh, who had an uncontrollable temper, and so a young man asked, uh, asked Mr. Edwards for his daughter's hand in marriage, and he replied, quote, you can't have her. And the man said, but I love her and she loves me. Edwards replied, it doesn't matter. He said, because the man said, why? And he said, she's not, uh, because she is not worthy of you. And the man said, but, but she's a Christian, isn't she? And Edwards said, yes, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. And so I'm telling you, here was a daddy being right up front and personal and honest as he evaluated the the situation with his own daughter, that she is not ready for marriage. You don't want to marry her because it's going to be nothing but trouble. And so here's a man that took this matter of anger seriously just as we ought to do. And when we stop and think about all of the problems related to anger, you know, we ought to be even more than ever convinced of our need for love because why? Well, it's not easily provoked. Now, let's just go on and look at the next picture of love here in the same verse. And this has to do with the preclusion of love. It says, love thinketh no evil. This is one of those verses that's been misunderstood by a lot of people. And let me tell you what it doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that a loving person will never be suspicious. Some people think that's what it means. It thinketh no evil. It's never suspicious about anything. It never looks on the negative side. It never accuses anybody of anything. Let me tell you, sometimes there is sufficient evidence to justify suspicion. I can show you examples of that in the Bible. Even Paul spoke to the church at Corinth when he said, you know, I hear this about you, and he said, I partly believe it. In other words, the evidence is out there. I can see it. Yeah, I am suspicious of you. He said to somebody that I stand in doubt of you. So there are examples of it, and there's a reason for it because sometimes the evidence is there. You have good reason to be suspicious. By the way, that can be a very healthy thing. You don't want to become so gullible that you just believe absolutely everything anybody tells you. So there's no reason for us to misunderstand this. The Greek word here that's translated thinketh means to reckon, it means to take account, or it means to impute. And, you uh, know, it's true that sometimes the evidence demands that, uh, that, that we not make an accusation against somebody, but there are other times that the evidence compels us to judge them as it were guilty. But listen, here's the point. Love never condemns on the basis of suspicion. Just, you know, I suspect, and you know, I think, I, this is, you know, my gut feeling is this is, I, this is what I think is going on, and we automatically condemn them, uh, without any justification whatsoever. And, and love doesn't do that. As somebody wrote, said, uh, She, speaking about love, she makes every allowance that truth will permit. Love desires the happiness of others and how can she be in haste to think evil of them? Well, that's true. And our attitude ought to be regarding others that if there's not evidence to condemn them, we certainly ought not to in any way indict them of wrongdoing of some kind because we have no evidence, you know, that proves that fact. But, This word thinketh goes even beyond that. You know, it's enough to look at it from that standpoint. But this is a stronger word than that. It's a word that would have been used back in those days for bookkeeping. It has to do with taking inventory, take into account. Uh, It's the uh, to count, to compute, to calculate, or to count over. And the idea here is that whenever he says that love thinketh no evil, he's telling us that love doesn't keep score. In other words, love doesn't, you know, just, uh, uh, to just keep heaping up all of the offenses against us and, you know, counting them and putting them in the, in the inventory. We, we don't allow our mind to be occupied with all of these grievances from others. Warren Wearsby said that he actually knew a man who literally kept a list of people who had offended him. Every time anybody did something that he didn't like, something that was wrong against him, and he got his little book out and he put that in there, what the person's name was, you know, and what the offense was, and he wanted to keep a record of all the wrongdoing and Brother Wearsby said he was the most miserable man I've ever met in all of my life. Well, no wonder, no wonder. Whenever we whenever we think of evil, as he's talking about here, it, it's calculating, computing, and we're just it's like we're taking an inventory and putting all of these offenses together, and and how could we not be miserable whenever we think about all of those things. And the fact of the matter is, we've got to learn to get past the past. Uh, it's, it's amazing how many people are still living in the past. The things that have happened years and years ago. I, I love what uh, Ray Pritchard preached a message entitled, uh, Why Love Has a Bad Memory. I like that. Love has a bad memory. I don't know what the sermon was all about. I just remember the title of it. Love has a bad memory. That's what Paul is trying to say here. Love thinketh no evil. Rather, rather than keeping a record of all of the wrongs that others have done, it to uh, to use computer lingo, it hits the delete button. Psst, gone. Well, why why would we want to uh, not let go of those offenses in the past. And what happens is we allow the past to affect our present and to shape our future. And, and so, you, you know, it's kind of like the old saying, we're, we're hanging ourselves. We're doing ourselves a terrible injustice. And the whole thing about it, the person that offended us, you know, and so many times I I guess we got the idea, oh well, if I forgive them, if I forget all about it, they're getting off scot free. Let me tell you, whenever you harbor that kind of bitterness in your heart and you retain that anger against other people, you're not hurting them. They're not, more than likely they're not even aware of it. It might be someone who lives a thousand miles away from you. And you're still angry. Something happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You're still angry, uh, 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 you know, about that. And you're letting that affect you and letting that affect your relationship with people even even today. And you're hurting yourself more than anyone. It just doesn't make sense that we need to get past the past because, listen... We've got to get to that point where okay, I'm not keeping a record of it. I'm not going to keep bringing it up again and again and again. And as you know, we all have a tendency to do that sometimes. You know, to drag up the the past whenever we're having a, a an argument or something. And we've got to get beyond that because listen, there is no there is no profit in doing that. All it's going to it never solves the problem. It just makes the problem worse. Now. Let me say this, and I'm through. That does not mean the offense against you wasn't serious. It doesn't mean that it wasn't real. It doesn't mean that uh, that they didn't do something that was terrible and awful. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you are excusing their behavior. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to stop. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy.